0: The loading bar is open, ladies and gentlemen. Hope the week hasn't been too rough on all of you. This episode, we're getting classy as we discuss a legendary footnote in the history of gaming with an examination of James Bond, GoldenEye 64. And how can I not pair this game with old Bond's favorite cocktail, the vodka martini? If you were someone who grew up during the era that this game came out, you probably have your own stories and rich history. It's a classic. My first memory of this game was playing it at someone's birthday party when I was in elementary, but it's pretty hazy. Apart from that, I played it a few times on the N64 at my babysitter's house. Goldeneye, Shadows of the Empire, and Mario Party were the N64 rotation when I was a kid. When I think back to that time, I remember getting as far as the jungle level and Xenia top running across the bridge to come and kill me. It always scared the hell out of me and the pressure of taking her out before she got too close was always my undoing. From then on I always kept the rocket launcher on hand and unloaded all of my ammunition on the bridge just to be safe. Playing deathmatch with my younger brother is another strong memory I have of this game as it almost always led us to fighting. We usually played matches against each other resulting in lasers only, DK mode, and the complex map and arguments over fairness whenever I beat him in deathmatch. As I got older, I got pretty big into James Bond films, and Summer Nights were filled with a rental and a bag of Fritos. I would try to rent whatever films I could get at the video store, but usually stuck to the Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan eras. As an adult, I've actually seen most of the movie props at the London Film Museum, mostly cars. But the beginning of all of this always takes me back to GoldenEye 64. The game was released August 25, 1997, A full two years after the release of the actual film. It was developed by Rare in partnership with Nintendo, which is known for some amazing titles on the N64 such as Perfect Dark, Donkey Kong 64, Conker's Bad Fur Day, and Banjo-Kazooie. Apart from Perfect Dark, which is seen as Goldeneye's spiritual successor, this was a far cry from what both Rare and Nintendo were usually known for. Not only that, but it was the first first-person shooter on the N64, and showed off some amazing capabilities for the time. Keyword for the time. Although GoldenEye is one of gaming history's most prolific titles, I find that it is a pretty unenjoyable experience based on what we're used to now. This changed when I learned of a ROM of the game for the PC that completely changed my perception of GoldenEye. After using a mouse and keyboard with this game, I can never go back to the N64 controller. Goldeneye was made for the PC, and has a pretty large player base for multiplayer and most notably modded versions using the Goldeneye style, such as Goldfinger. Tonight's drink of course is the vodka martini, or Vesper as Bond calls it. This is a reference to Bond's love interest in the first book, Casino Royale, where he infiltrates a craps game to beat the vile and cunning banker, Le Chiffre. Since then, it has been featured in almost every film, lampooned and referenced in many forms of media. I remember the first time I tried this cocktail. Me and the boys went out to Boston Pizza years ago and all decided to order one because one of us mentioned it was like National James Bond Day or something. We order them, wait around all suave as fuck, martinis arrive, I take my first sip and I absolutely hate it. It is the worst thing I have ever tasted. So no. I'm not a fan of dry martinis, but for you, dear listeners, I'll show you how to make them and you can decide for yourself. You will need 3 ounces of gin, 1 ounce of vodka, half an ounce of Lilette Blanc aperitif. Garnish with lemon twist. Add gin, vodka, and lilette into a shaker with ice. Strain into a martini glass. Pinch the lemon peel to spray the juices over the top and rub along the rim of the glass and then drop the peel into the cocktail. This cocktail was actually created by the author and creator of James Bond, Ian Fleming. According to an article written by Difford's Guide, they state that Fleming was inspired by visits to Duke's Bar in London Duke's Hotel in London, England. Though it is important to note that the hotel's specialization in martinis is actually a recent thing, Difford states that Fleming also served what he called Vespers at his Golden Eye Estate in Jamaica, though those were rum-based drinks. The name is potentially a reference to his time in naval intelligence as it was one of the various code names of christine granville one of the greatest british spies during world war ii and an old flame of ian fleming's the novel was released in 1952 which was actually the year after the earliest known reference to the vodka martini in ted saucier's bottoms up book now that we have our classy martinis in hand let's have a look at the development of goldeneye As I stated, the development of GoldenEye was headed by the studio Rare, and this was when they were a huge partner of Nintendo's. Nintendo basically got the IP to create a James Bond game, and it was considered to be a launch title for the N64, and approached Rare with the opportunity to create it. It was originally envisioned as a rail shooter, a game where you can control a gun and aim it, but not your movements, and once you clear a room full of bad guys, you scroll on to the next area. I'm sure you've seen games like this at your local movie theaters like Time Crisis or House of the Dead. One thing they wanted to do that would make them stand out from other rail shooters was to use motion capture technology and have actors react to where the player would shoot them. By the way, I know I brought up motion capture technology last episode, but I didn't really explain it. Basically, actors put on these bodysuits, which are covered in ping pong balls, Computers track the actors' movements from the ping-pong balls, so when the heads and arms and joints move, so will the characters. So in the case of GoldenEye, if you shot their hands, the guns that they were holding would fall out, or shooting their legs would make the enemies fall down. GoldenEye's motion capture room was kind of a nightmare by the sounds of it. According to the game's artist B. Jones, the mocap system attached the actors to cables that are connected to the wall. So when an actor was told to react when they got shot, They couldn't really fall forward because they would yank the whole system off the wall. If you've played Goldeneye, then you can recall that some enemies do combat rolls and other evasive movements. Imagine doing that completely covered in wires and trying not to rip them out of the wall. It took a bit of convincing to make this game into an FPS instead of a rail shooter, and Ken Lobb, who worked on the design support, was very vocal about this. He took what they had and added movement and strafing just to see what the game would look like if the player had the ability to move freely. Once the development team got their hands on this prototype, they were dead set on making this an FPS. Each level of Goldeneye follows the film very closely, and one of the major contributors of this was that the development team had access to the set of the film, Goldeneye. And they went nuts taking photos and recordings, everything they could, for reference for their game. Even the textures were worked on meticulously to get that authentic look that the film would also have. The music of the game was composed by Graham Norgate and Grant Kirkhope, and has frequently been on my jogging playlist. They were allowed to use the James Bond theme, and I believe that was it. So for the rest of the game, they had to use similar renditions of that theme in their own original music. One song in particular that I think had a cool inception was The Frigate Level. They combined sections from two Duran Duran songs, We Care A Lot's drum beat, and A View To A Kill's beginning riff, and added bits and pieces of the James Bond theme throughout. Grant Kirkhope also worked on the soundtracks of other important rare titles, such as Banjo and Donkey Kong 64. If you've played GoldenEye, then it probably isn't news to you that each of the enemies and NPCs have bases that are actually various members of the development team. One of which is the original character, Dr. Doak, who is not only one of the development team, but is actually a doctor, specifically of biochemistry. So the rest of the team did not want to pass up the chance to use this man's credentials for a fun joke. Other such fun development trivia is the changing of the names of all of the guns, one of which is named the Clob which is named after Ken Lobb, who I mentioned previously. One of the biggest challenges for the development team was the fact that GoldenEye the film was released only a year into the development of the game, which at this point was nowhere near finished. Usually you would think that the release of a game based on a film would coincide somehow with each other, so as to capitalize off of the marketing and peak interest in the product, but apparently no one at the GoldenEye development team seemed to really be worried about that. They were dead focused on creating the best game they could and they took their time. A far cry from how things are done nowadays. Another large challenge was the overall violence of the game. Originally, it was quite the bloodbath where shooting an enemy would result in large spurts of blood. Nintendo, as I'm sure most of you know, is not exactly known for large amounts of violence in their IPs, so Goldeneye presented a bit of a controversial challenge for Rare to be able to make an authentic Bond game, but not making the product that doesn't fit with the company's vision. They did manage to accomplish this without totally sacrificing the blood, and have it as red stains on characters that get shot. If you really want, you can use a paintball cheat to make all of the bullet wounds different colors too. Finally, let's discuss the multiplayer. There was never supposed to be multiplayer. The game was set to release and in a last minute decision, the developers decided to add multiplayer, though Nintendo was initially against this. Rare decided to do a kind of case study to see if people would respond well to the game having multiplayer by giving 20 copies to several blockbuster videos to get customer feedback. It was a massive success and helped make Goldeneye the classic it remains to be today. So what is the story of Goldeneye? Well, it's the story of Goldeneye. All of the major plot points are there, beginning, middle, and end. The roster of characters is pretty large, as to incorporate multiplayer, and each of them are actors that make appearances in the film. If you haven't seen Goldeneye, I urge you to go watch it, for sure. 007 and 006 are tasked with infiltrating a Russian military site, which is actually a secret chemical weapons base, and destroy it. In the process, 006 is killed by General Uramov, and Bond escapes, completing the mission, though not without his shame and regret of leaving his friend, Alec Trevelyan. Years later, Bond is carrying on with his life as a British intelligence agent and is investigating a Russian satellite base, which is considered to be a front for the research and development of the GoldenEye satellite, a weapon that creates targeted EMP blasts to designated areas on the planet. To do this, you need the GoldenEye key, which gets stolen. Bond is also sent to Monte Carlo to plant a tracking bug on an experimental helicopter that is able to function even during an EMP attack. Bond completes his mission and learns that the Janus Crime Syndicate is behind all of this and is captured upon his second outing in the GoldenEye base. Here he meets a programmer, Natalia, who helps you escape and has knowledge of how GoldenEye works. They escape before the base's destruction and head to St. Petersburg to get more information on Janus. Here he learns that the leader of Janus is none other than Alec, who staged his death all of those years ago. Natalia is kidnapped and Bond stages a rescue aboard a train, which is rigged to explode, but not before Natalia tracks the signal to where they took the Goldeneye key. Bond and Natalia team up to have one last stand to defeat Alec and stop Goldeneye from wreaking havoc. So what can I say about the gameplay? This is some classic FPS. As Bond, you can move in all directions. You can crouch, and you can jump. You have a vast array of weapons to use, from pistols, machine guns, rockets, throwing knives, grenades, and even karate chops. You can pick up as many weapons as you want and cycle through all of them. You pick up health in the form of body armor and ammunition all throughout levels. Each level has different objectives depending on the difficulty you play on. The higher the difficulty, the more objectives you need to complete rescue hostages, destroy and recover objects, defeat enemies, or make it to the end. You can go in guns blazing, or you can take a stealth approach. If certain conditions are met, you can unlock bonus levels that take place in past Bond locations, and can unlock characters like Jaws, Mayday, and the notorious Oddjob, who ends up being the best character in the game for multiplayer because the auto-aim that the game uses does not compensate for his short stature. The game utilizes an auto-aim system that is definitely necessary though, but you can use a manual aiming option by holding down the z-trigger, which brings up a crosshair reticle that you can move around to aim and shoot, though you do sacrifice the ability to move when you do this. Okay so as an aside, I've seen Goldfinger and I have no idea where this idea to make odd job like a foot tall comes from. I'm pretty sure he is eye to eye with Sean Connery in that movie. Bond has a few gadgets in the game, but most are tied to objectives. But you do have the use of a laser watch, which recharges after use, and you can use it to break locks, such as the mandatory ones on the train. Multiplayer is where a lot of the game shines, though. Four players can hop in and compete to be the best of the best. You can set up several different deathmatch scenarios, such as teams or free-for-all, or modes like you only live twice, or you only have two lives, the man with the golden gun, where a single player gets the Golden Gun, which is capable of killing anyone in one hit, and License to Kill, which is a kind of mix of Capture the Flag and King of the Hill. Whoever holds the flag longest wins. You can play as tons of characters that were seen in both the game and the movie, some ranging from major to minor to just guards. You pick a map to play on based off of one of the ones in story mode that is redesigned for multiplayer with weapons and ammo throughout. Finally, you can goof around with tons of cheats like Donkey Kong mode that makes all of your characters' models have big heads and long arms, or starting with all of the weapons, or as mentioned earlier, paintball mode, which makes all of the hits look like paint shots. It's a lovable playground of chaos and madness. You either had great times with your friends late at night, or big fights over who would not be allowed to play Odd Job. Goldeneye is like a perfect snapshot in history totally capturing what made gaming in the 90's so much fun, and set a bar for standard FPS. Some of the local bars in Edmonton will even host GoldenEye tournaments with various prizes, and as I stated earlier, the game has a massive player base on the PC-ROM version. GoldenEye still has a place in our contemporary world of gaming, though preferably in a different form than the N64. In recent years, There have been some attempts at trying to remake this game in the form of GoldenEye Reloaded, which initially launched on the Wii, and was a retelling of the story, but this time with Daniel Craig. It was received quite poorly, and it was nothing but a Call of Duty clone, with nothing that made it remotely Bond-like. It was eventually ported to other systems, but again, this game pales in comparison. Another game in this style, which I think would have been a cool idea if it was done properly, was called James Bond Legends and with several missions from different Bond movies that you played through. This however was done in the same style as Reloaded and again was received quite poorly. Just another FPS and an era drowning in them. There are however great titles that stand out in the library of James Bond games. I know I've already talked at length about Everything or Nothing, but others such as Nightfire, From Russia with Love, and Rogue Agent are absolute gems that stand out with some over-the-top, Bond-esque gameplay. I hope you've all enjoyed this latest episode, and I hope you all enjoy your dry martinis more than I ever would. Seriously, they're just not for me. Remember to check out my link tree for all of the platforms that I dwell, such as Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch. Speaking of Twitch, I should have posted that I will be playing some games live this Sunday, so be sure to tune in and check it out. Finally, if you have any comments or feedback, game or drink requests, or whatever comes to mind, you can get in touch with me via my social media or email. Have yourselves a good weekend, and I'll see you all next week.